What would it be to have BYU basketball play like a drama-free upset type win? Well, we wouldn't know considering BYU tried to melt down but ends up beating Creighton 83-80. This is Postcast. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for joining us on this special postcast edition of Locked On Cougars. BYU men's basketball upsets number 21, Creighton 83-80 to in Las Vegas as part of the Jack Jones Hoop Fest. And if you predicted BYU to win this basketball game, I'd like to see the, 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 the receipt that you have to prove that because coming off losses to both South Dakota as well as UVU over the past week, I did not have much confidence in any of BYU Hoops' chances in this game going in to Las Vegas. Creighton, a very, very good team, was ranked as high as number 7 just a few weeks ago. They'd suffered three straight losses to drop to number 21, and now they've suffered four straight losses as BYU beats them, and BYU beat them in the way that BYU needed to win it. And what I mean by that is the, the late game meltdown, we'll get to here in a minute, but the bigger thing, BYU needed to control the interior of this game if at all possible. And with Ryan Kalkbrenner out, the big man, seven foot one defensive player of the year for the Big East last year. He made life miserable for BYU in their matchup last season. BYU could not do anything on the interior against Kalkbrenner. He was out with what they labeled as a non-COVID illness, and BYU went to work on the interior. I'm pulling up the stats now. BYU for the game, 50 rebounds in this game against 29 for Creighton. Absolutely critical to BYU's chances in this game. Also, BYU for the game shoots 44.8%. Points in the paint, they absolutely dominated that as well. They had to win this game on the interior because yet again, despite making some critical threes and critical moments, BYU as a team shooting the three not very well, 29.2% from long range, also just 69.6% from the free throw line. Had BYU been able to make some more free throws, they may have had an opportunity to put this game away earlier. Now... On to the late game execution. It's about uh, 3.14 to go is what I recall it. BYU had a double-digit lead. Uh, Arthur Kaluma, who, by the way, Kaluma is an absolute stud. Uh, Creighton's swingman, he was absolutely unstoppable. He fouls out on a really, really, uh, just kind of lost his brain for a moment and fouls out of this game. And you're like, okay, BYU's in control. This game's over. No, he, he fell out with six minutes and 30 seconds to go. But they got to three minutes and like 14 seconds, roughly. And BYU had a double-digit lead. And I'm like, okay. Control the tempo here. Uh, Creighton's probably going to press you a little bit. Break the press a few times. Make a few more buckets. Break their will and call it a night. What does BYU do? They allow Creighton to continually set up that press, and BYU could not break it. They just lost their collective minds. Where in the world was the the the, the process of okay? When we have the ball, move up court. They just got so stagnant. They they kind of sat there. This to me. BYU a week ago against South Dakota, think of what they did with the press. They caused uh, South Dakota to go the final 10 minutes of that basketball game without a field goal made from the uh, court. It allowed BYU to get their way back into a 21-point deficit. They ended up losing that game by one. Brutal loss, all the same. But BYU's press, South Dakota struggled with it mightily. Well, a week later, BYU looked like they had never played against the press in their entire lives. They could not inbound. They even had that one. It went off the underside of the backboard and was turned over. They couldn't even get it inbounded correctly. Just 
brutal, brutal stuff. Now, that obviously is cause for major concern because you can guarantee that Mark Pope is going to be harping on his guys all week this week. And frankly, I would imagine they probably spend a large portion of their practice trying to break presses just so this never happens again. But the biggest thing is big players come up in big moments, and that's what Dallin Hall is. Dallin Hall, for the second time in just his 11th game as a Division One basketball player, gets a game winner. He goes to the rim, misses the initial attempt, gets back up on the rebound and tips it in to get BYU an 81-80 advantage. About 10 seconds to go at that point. Get back down the court. Creighton's going to the rim. uh, Misses the shot. And who gets the rebound? None other than Dallin Hall. Gets fouled. Goes the other end of the court with a half a second to go. Makes two more free throws to seal the win for BYU. As I mentioned, big players come up in big moments. And that's exactly what Dallin Hall did. Now, Obviously, knowing what he did and those two game winners he's had for BYU, why didn't he get the ball against South Dakota last week? Rudy Williams essentially stole the show in that moment and missed that three that would have won it against South Dakota. And now Rudy Williams in this game, we uh, we can't not mention him. Rudy Williams was absolutely phenomenal in his role. 26 points off the bench. Him as the sixth man for BYU has been a masterstroke by Mark Pope. To to make the decision to move your high-profile grad transfer guard to the bench and bring him off in that sixth man role, it takes some stones. But Rudy Williams, to his credit, has not complained about it and has unlocked him offensively. He has been very, very good for this BYU squad at coming off that bench the last two games. Dallin Hall in the starting lineup, stroke a genius in its own right. And as I mentioned, like I said, big players come up in big moments. Dallin Hall doesn't have it completely figured out because he's not absolved at all in the inability to break the press. Actually, he may have been one of the the key guys who wasn't moving the ball quickly enough to break the press. He wasn't working his way up court, finding passing lanes, that type of stuff. That's the stuff that's got to be figured out because it was abysmal. Turnovers, ill-advised fouls, Gideon George. I don't know what Gideon George was doing late in this game. Him fouling out in some ways was a blessing in disguise for the BYU basketball program. And I, I love Gideon George as a human being. He's a great dude. He's done great things for his home country. He's had, his, he's had great moments in a BYU uniform. But this game, he was a liability versus an asset for the Cougars. Dallin Hall wins the game, and he's going to be the BMOC, the big man on campus. And that's a monster, monster win for BYU. Think about where BYU was coming into this game. Uh, and I still not, I'm still not convinced that they're going to go on any type of a run. But this was a six signature win that BYU needed on the season. Maybe the solution, I, I tweeted this out on social media. You can follow me, Jacob C. Hatch is my handle on Twitter. I tweeted this out. Maybe the solution for BYU is to play all ranked opponents because they seem to rise to the occasion when they play these ranked teams. Think what they did against San Diego State. They had that game in control with about 10 minutes to go in that one and San Diego State took it over, but BYU was right in the mix with San Diego State who was ranked, I think, 19th at the time when they took on the Aztecs down there in San Diego. And in this game against Creighton down there in Las Vegas. BYU, frankly, should have won this game handily, but they had to make it dramatic and win it in absolutely wild fashion once again. But nonetheless, it's a signature win for Mark Pope and his squad. This is a win that hopefully can propel BYU to having a solid finish to their non-conference schedule. Coming up this week, they have Division 2 foe Western Oregon midweek, and then they have Utah 
Saturday afternoon. It'll be a, a kind of an overlap in a way. The f- uh, final stanza of that basketball game, speaking of BYU and Utah, the rivalry game down there at the Merritt Center, will overlap with the kickoff of BYU in the New Mexico Bowl on the football side of things, but looking forward to that because that makes that game a whole lot more interesting because Utah is very, very good right now. They're 8-2 and two on the season versus 6-5 and five for BYU, but hey, if BYU can win this game, who's to say they can't on their home court take care of the Utes and continue to own that rivalry series of recent? That that would be a monster win once again. It just and I, I'm I'm giving BYU the win against Western Oregon midweek, so that could be a three game win streak suddenly for BYU as they get ready to round out non conference play. Uh, this is this is a big big result for BYU. Now, does it completely uh, make them the the team that they want to be? No, because. The, the meltdown they had, and I, it was a meltdown, to lose a double-digit weed, double-digit double weed, double-digit lead, if I can get that out of my mouth correctly, in the fashion they did, it's abysmal. It's atrocious. That should never happen at the Division One level. They looked like they had never played against a press in their entire lives collectively, speaking of BYU. They have got to clean that up. But... For all of their warts, all of their weaknesses, all of the glaring issues this BYU men's basketball team has, I will give them one thing. They've got fight. That's the thing about this. They never give in. And I, th- you can work with that. That's a great building block to work with. You obviously need to, need to fine-tune many other aspects of this squad, but to have a guy like Dallin Hall who in clutch moments makes clutch plays could do a lot worse than have a young man like that on your sideline. All right, uh, we'll get some final thoughts uh, here in just a moment. I need to uh, explain my absence on Friday's edition of the show. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, a word on our friends over at Bet Online. They are your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Coming into this game, BYU was a double-digit dog, uh, underdog, according to our friends at Bet Online. So you, you take that money, you could have won yourself a pretty penny from our friends at Bet Online. But you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer to esports they've got it all at bet online and if you love sports podcasts you can find those as well at bet online where they are the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fix as well so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about bet online they are where the game starts thank you once again for making locked on cougars your first listen of the day always appreciate you guys checking us out all right number of you reached out via social media, etc. Asking me, Jake, what happened to the Friday edition of the podcast? Well, I sat down Thursday night to record it. I had, had enjoyed an evening out with my family. Went to Luminaria over at Thanksgiving Point, which, by the way, very, very cool. It was my first time actually ever experiencing it, despite living a stone's throw away, quite literally. I, I don't live that far away, but wandered around that. Got home. I sat down here in my little studio. If you watch this on YouTube, uh, went to fire everything up and just couldn't get my audio to record. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Well, such is a USB-C cord that runs my audio interface between uh, my, my soundboard, my laptop that I use to record, all that stuff. Well, it failed. And when you can't record audio, it's kind of hard to record a podcast. So I had to order a new one of those. I was hoping to have it, uh, have Amazon deliver it by midday on Friday to get a podcast out to you guys. Made the order. Long story short, didn't get delivered until this morning, Saturday morning. But nonetheless, we're back up in working order, and we'll have a full recap for you guys of the weekend that was in BYU Sports on Monday. Also, it's game week once again for BYU, getting ready for New Mexico. They've had some more guys enter the NCAA transfer portal. Jay Hill and uh, also uh, Kelly Papinga are in the midst of their first recruiting weekend with the BYU football program. And by the way, a word on that real quick. This is a monster weekend for BYU on the recruiting front. I know it's been like L. 
after L after L. I mean, speaking of losses for BYU, guys entering the transfer portal, the Fano brothers committing to Utah, Utah cleaning up on the recruiting trail, getting Hunter Clegg and the like. like it just, nothing seems to have gone right for BYU. I can tell you this much, though. This weekend could be a very, very good one for BYU. If everything I have heard, the whispers I'm hearing from people are, are continue the way that they're going. Does it mean that they're going to upstage Utah with some of the recruiting wins that the Utes have had? No. But BYU has put together a pretty solid recruiting class relative to what they have done previously in previous seasons, but they could bolster it this weekend as well. Obviously, it's going to take them getting guys to ultimately commit and sign their national letters of intent with the BYU football program, but they have this this weekend, also there will be a, a smaller one next weekend ahead of the early signing period the following week. These are critical critical weekends for BYU to sell their vision. Obviously, guys like Jay Hill and uh, Kelly Papinga to get in front of guys who they don't necessarily know all that well on the recruiting front, guys that BYU's been recruiting for quite a while now. They can get in front of these young men, get them uh, in the film room, etc., and say, okay, this is what we're selling you. This is what we're going to do. This is the vision we have for the BYU football program. Having as many guys, and I've seen uh, double-digit guys this weekend in particular on campus for BYU, uh, some uncommitted, some guys long-time commits to BYU, BYU. Some guys can potential flips uh, that BYU could land. There's one in particular, I know it was a Boise State commit, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Benefield, I believe is his last name, Benfield. Uh, so if BYU can work their magic this weekend, and Jay Hill, the one thing I know about him is he is a dogged recruiter. If he can start to show what he's capable of on the recruiting trail using this weekend and what, three or four days officially on the job to win some recruiting battles, yeah, it's been a bad go for the last week or so for BYU recruiting just in terms of their inability to seemingly attract talent while other teams, they're losing talent while also uh, their arch rival, Utah, is picking up all kinds of commitments. Well, this weekend could stem that tide a little bit and should let BYU get a little momentum back on their side. I've seen a number of offers going out for transfer portal guys for the BYU football program, so they're working. Don't, don't think that BYU's not working out there on the recruiting trail. They are getting their job done, or they're, they're attempting to get the job done. Let's put it that way. Like I said, the, the rumors, the, the whispers I'm hearing is BYU feels very confident about where they stand with a number of these guys, but until they ultimately make that decision... You never quite know. Now, a huge one is obviously four-star prospect Smith Snowden, a son of BYU, former BYU running back Will Snowden. He has announced that uh, Monday at 2 p.m. he is going to announce his uh, commitment to wherever he's going to commit, be committing to on my radio station, 97.5 FM DKSL Sports Zone. He'll announce it on the Hands and Scotty show. Very interested to see where he picks. I, I think it's down to BYU in Utah. Uh, I, I would... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, and I trust me, I, I tried to get a hold of, this, of the Snowden family. I, I've known Will a long time. We did some BYU pregame and postgame coverage together for a number of years. I've talked with him a lot, but I have no feel for where Smith is leaning. There are rumors out there that the comments from BYU Sports Nation and Spencer Linton are about Smith Snowden. I don't think they are. I don't think anybody knows what Smith is doing outside of Smith himself. And we'll find out Monday afternoon. Uh, if you were to ask me where my prediction is, I think he's picking Utah. I, I know that, that, that this is a BYU podcast well be positive Jake no I just Utah's been in the lead for a long time and I think the Utes will win out in the end but only time will tell and BYU is doing their best they have him on campus speaking of Smith this weekend 
getting their final chance to pitch him and hopefully in their minds flip him to being a Cougar and for him to continue that legacy on a BYU be absolutely awesome but only time will tell but I think even if Smith ultimately picks Utah there's still uh, some positive momentum I feel like coming for BYU out of this weekend and looking forward to that and we'll of course recap that all throughout this next week and obviously get you ready for the New Mexico Bowl a week from tonight down there in Albuquerque. So that's going to do it for this postcast edition of Locked on Cougars. Postcast, kind of melding uh, two things into one. But nonetheless, a big thank you for joining us as always. Be back with us on Monday. We'll be talking all things BYU as we typically do every single day right here on Locked on Cougars. See ya.